God is good. Every day. Every hour and every minute. Well, this morning I, I'm going to be bouncing from one of the uh, epistles of Paul. But before we go there, I'm, I'm being over in 2 Timothy. So if you have a Bible, go on and start jogging that way. It's over in your New Testament. But 2 Timothy is Paul's farewell address to Timothy and the church at large. Paul is in prison when this takes place in Rome. He is awaiting his execution. This is one of the letters that Paul wrote that we tend to call the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters. See, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus, they make up these letters that we call the pastoral epistles. These letters were written for the instruction of young pastors that Paul had mentored in their Christian walk and work for Jesus Christ. These letters are beautiful and you might be scratching your head saying, well, I'm not a pastor. How could this possibly pertain to me? Well, the good news is you don't have to be a pastor for this letter to apply to you. See, this letter was also written to the church at large. Not only was it written to the church of that day, it is also written to the church for us Today, everything applies in Scripture. Everything. The second letter of Timothy is uh, part of God's love letter to all Christians. I love the Lord's love letter. I'm always finding nuggets within God's holy word. Paul tells Timothy at one part to fan the flame. Don't let it burn out. I told Sister Angela this morning as they was in here doing her thing, I said, now, now guys, when I, when I go like this, it don't mean that I farted. I didn't fart. I said, I'm just practicing what that, that says in the Scripture. I'm trying to fan the flame. See, I get real excited in the Holy Spirit. I start doing that. Everybody's like, man, what is wrong with him? Well, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. It's beautiful. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this. It says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, this is where the letter applies to all of us right here. What gift are we to dust off the ashes of? What is the gift that we are to dust these ashes off and fan into flame? Well, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. There's two gifts there. Then if you flip over a couple chapters in Ephesians, you don't have to do that. I want you to stay over in 2 Timothy. And it says, but by grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ is always in the gift-giving business. 
And that gift given, no matter how bad the situation may be, the gift is an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What is the gift? It's an eternal, not a temporal, but an eternal. From everlasting to everlasting to everlasting lasting. If you like watching them fairy tale movies, that eternal gift lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. It is not temporal. It is not our lives here on this earth. They are a mere flash. As I said last week, our lives are represented between a very small dash in between two numbers, a born on date and a death date. And that little dash in between them two lines represents your whole life while you are taking up a temporal residence here on this earth. But for the ones in Christ Jesus, as he distributes that gift, as you trade out temporal for eternal, you receive the crown of glory, the crown of life. No more problems, no more pains, no more sorrows, no more heartaches, no more visits to the hospital. You go before the great physician once and for all. And what does he do? Welcome home, my sweet child. Welcome home. We change out temporal for eternal. How beautiful it is. We cannot truly fathom that gift. When we think about it, we cannot wrap our minds around eternity. If you think you can, just please let me know. We are going to write a best-selling book. Because I still personally, as a pastor, cannot fathom God in eternity. Like I just, I, I try, I get so close but to wrap my mind around it. And then the flesh side of me comes in. The earthly dad that says, but I don't want to leave my children. And I don't want to leave this. And I don't want to leave that. But for God be the glory. One day I will. So how can we capitalize on this gift? Being us in the here and now, well, hey, we can preach the word, share the gospel, challenge the people to live a godly life. Anything else outside of that is just ramble bamble. Really is. We as born again Christians should try to pursue holiness to the very best of our ability. Praise be unto God that we have the Holy Spirit that when we mess up, we can say, Lord, forgive me. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, guess what, friends? We've been forgiven. And the day that you keep sinning and doing the same sin repetitiously over and over and over again, and it does not bother you, there is a scripture for that. It's called a seared conscience. Never want you to get there. Ever. So this is why we saturate music in the word of the Lord. Saturate the preaching in the word of the Lord. See, the very purpose of Paul sending this letter to Timothy is almost for the purpose of revival meetings. The purpose of me standing behind this very sacred desk. It is so that 
you will be encouraged and to be able to stir up the gift that is within you. This is why we get behind this sacred desk every week. It is to try to fan the flame. It's not that your flame's burnt out. Listen, if you've ever been around a campfire, and it was so neat because we was around one this weekend, and as that flame would go down, it would kind of like smolder out, the ashes would be glowing real red, and the next thing you know, the wind would come by, and whoof, it would pick back up. This is what the Scriptures tells us to do. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. See, the practical purpose of our meeting within this time frame as Christians is to simply must be godly people. This is what we must be. You know, this is why I, I love it. I just have to go here. I, I, I love when Brother Dan's like, hey, guys, come on, stand up. Let's worship the Lord. And, and, and that's truly, man, like as soon as you walk through that door, you should be kind of hop skipping all the way down the aisle. Like, praise God, I get to worship again today with some brothers and sisters in Christ. Not walk in like the character off of Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore. Just kind of, well, I got to listen to him preach for about 35 minutes. Brother Dan's going to sing his song. No. Man, as soon as that first bang hits, whew, you should be up, excited. Now, some people, you, you, you just physically can't. Now, that's different. But if you just, you ain't because it's, it's just not in you, I highly recommend go home, get on YouTube, Spotify, something like that, turn on some worship music, get some stuff that gets your ankles loosened up, get excited. Call me up, we'll anoint you with oil and get your joints all good and squeaked out and we'll get them working and yeah. Because this is what it means to fan the flame. Man, when your spirit gets ignited, I can't help it. I'll be down there, boy, singing at the top of my lungs, knowing I sound like a barking bad hound. But guess what? The Lord is enjoying it. He's pleased with that. You don't have to be the best singer. You don't have to be the best dancer. But do it unto the Lord. So the main text that I really wanted to look at this morning before we went squirrel is 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. We're going to look at three things, and I'll look at them kind of quickly, briefly here. But the, the word of the Lord says, The aim of our charge is love. I wish that was capitalized. Capital L-O-V-E. The aim of our charge is love that issues from three things here. A pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So it tells you. I, I, I love that text. It's like it's a golden breakdown. All in one verse. Brother David gets so mad when I do that. He's like, you're only preaching one verse? I'm like, brother, there's some nuggets in there. Like, there's truths in there. I would love to preach Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the word, the word of God. That's John 1-1. But the first thing I want to look at is a pure heart. 
a pure heart. The first part of that text in 1-5, it'll be underlined and squealed out real pretty. And I would highly recommend underlining that in your Bible. It says, the aim of our charge is love that issues. How do we get this? Here comes the answer. A pure heart. See, the purpose of preaching is to show people that they're lost without Christ. That is truly the purpose of preaching. It's also to edify the body of Christ. But initially, it is to proclaim the very word of God and to let you know that outside of Christ, if you do not have Christ Jesus in your heart, you are lost. That's weighty. Now, friends, I, I, I'm not, I know my calling. I, I, I love evangelism. I mean, that's just my heart. But I am not an evangelist. Next week, my pastor, who's a true evangelist, who's operating also in the gift of pastoring, he, he understands that. And, and I get, I'm not an evangelist. I'm an under-shepherd for the shepherd. But my job, even as the under-shepherd, is to preach the gospel. In season, out of season. Preach the gospel. And as a pastor, I'm called to instruct you, the saints of God, in the ways of God's word and his work. It's simply a blueprint. You know, if you never see your great need for Jesus and confess him as Savior, I want you to hear this. You can never call him Lord. If you never truly confess him. I'm not talking about having a relationship off of grandmas or grandpas. Or maybe you showed up in church as a little kid. Friends, if you don't see your great need for him and understand and have a personal relationship with him, he's not your Lord this morning. He's not. But there is good news. He can be. He can be. And he will be if you call upon his name. You don't have to run down and say, Lord, I'll give you 20 bucks. Will you be my Lord and Savior? No, that's not how it works. Because then that becomes faith by works. Scripture said earlier, it's not by works. It's not by your own doing. Now listen, I'm not going to try to build you up in some fluffy love that is loosely thrown around the way it is today. There is so many loose end meanings of love that to truly understand the love of the Father, it's hard. Because many times if we start talking about Jesus or how to walk with Christ, for some of us we get called a hater. You don't love me. No, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to build you up, give you hope so that you know there is a better way out. That's our job as Christians, not just the pastor. That's your job. You have that mantle. You have to carry that. Now listen, friends, I love steak. I do. They know. I love steak. I love no-bake cookies. I love books. I love football. 
But friends, none of that is nothing compared to the love that we find in the Bible. No matter how much I love it. Listen, if you're a vegan, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. But I do. When we go to Texas Roadhouse, I sit there and I start gazing. I'm like, man, there was this big old cow walking alongside the road, thinking about he's going to hit William's plate one day. And I'll tell the waitress that. And they look at me and say, Pastor, you're crazy. I say, no, I love steak. But I love the Word of God more. Because I know how much God loves me. And I know how much He loves you. He laid it all out in the Bible. One thing about the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Holy is nothing but the truth. He gave us a blueprint. He showed us His love. I mean, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. God, come down off of His throne. Now, that is true love for you parents. Could you place your children up on a cross for someone else? I'll be the first to admit I couldn't. But the love of the Father. Then he loved us so much more than that that Jesus said, Hey guys, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you someone better. Send you the comforter. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's love. That's love. That is true love. Man. My little lips started quivering. Because when I hear babies like that, and I see her rocking, I think about what God does for us. Just holds us. Sways us back and forth. We'll get a little antsy, and he'll say, it's okay. I love you. Kind of pat him on the back. I remember my kids when they were small, and I'd hold them, pat them. Daddy loves you. I love you. They get to squalling, say it's going to be okay. Then they squall a little louder, and I'd say, here, Alicia, take them. <laughs> Thank God the Lord don't do us that way. He don't, you know, he holds us ever tighter. That's true love. See, God so loved the world that he gave. Apostle Peter, he so loved the Lord that he gave. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he so loved the Lord that he gave. See, true love is defined by giving yourself away. That's true love. When you say, here, Lord, guess what? You got all of me. No strings attached. You can take all my junk because you have all of me, and in return, I have all of you. That's love. Unmerited love. That is what Paul means by love from a pure heart. See, this type of love is exemplified in our character. Character is what spills out when life injures us. That's when we see character. Character is actually who you are when nobody's watching. That's true character. What do you like when you walk outside the doors and you're behind closed doors? That's where you start to see your real character. 
And then sometimes the Lord, because he loves you so much, he'll pluck some of them ways out of you. But I have some, man, when he plucks, I go, ooh, that hurt. But see, we all put on a good face when there is an audience. But what do we do when the music fades? There's no audience around. Do we love from a pure heart? Do we truly lift holy hands? Not shoot an unholy bird. You know what I mean. It's the finger right next to your ring finger. Do we shoot that at people? Or instead do we say, how you doing brother? How you doing sister? How can I help you? Hey, how can I pray for you? How can I love you? Not nothing you can give me back. But how can I help you? What burdens are you carrying? I love it. I'll text individuals early in the morning praying for you. And it's not some simple prayer. It's not, dear Lord, would you just bless them today? It's out of a genuine heart and a genuine love that I say, hey, I am praying for you. And I'm trying to get into the mindset of what is the situation going on? What's happening here? What's happening there? Lord, would you please show me so I can pray specifics? And at times I'll say, how can I specifically pray for you? Don't give me some loose end at all. Just pray for me. No, specifically, how can I pray for you? Because I truly love. You know, I didn't used to be able to say I love you. I actually hated that word. I hated it passionately. So if you're one of those that I tell you and I say, man, I love you, bro. Love you, sis. I genuinely mean that. That's not just some loose-ended word. It's not some four-letter word to me that just gets tossed to and fro. No, it's something that comes genuinely from deep within me because I didn't know how to love. But when God came in and God broke down chains and he walked me out of them gates, guess what he showed me? Love. And for 20 years with my wife, it has been hard because in the beginning, I didn't know how to love. And now it's like a whole new marriage. I know how to love. I also know how to be a prune in her side too. She'll be the first day. But true love, unmerited love, God's love. This type of love is also exercised toward others. Love is truly like a muscle. If they are not ever exercised, they will fade and almost become useless. You got to work it out. Show people, show people. I love D.L. Moody. One of the things he said was this, and I'll read this quote. It says, he was used, used to reach millions for Jesus Christ. Someone once asked him why he was used of God so powerfully. D.L. said this. He was, he was gazing out of the window with tears in his eyes. They asked him, Mr. Moody, what do you see? Here's his answer. I see thousands of people. Thousands who are heading to hell if they don't turn from their sin and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. He said if they don't turn from their sins and trust, 
He didn't say if they never sin again. He said, no, turn from them and trust in Jesus. See, this is the true struggle of the Christian's heart, to hunger for God's will over their own. It truly is hard for every Christian across the board, no matter who you are. When you start to long for God's will over your own will, it's hard. Because there's sometimes the Lord wants to walk my children through some things. And I'm just like, but, but Lord, let me, let me help them. Let me, let me do this. Let me take on this. And God's like, no, no, that's their storm, William. And I'm going to help them. I'm going to walk with them. Not you. I will be the one. Second part of that text in uh, Timothy is having a good conscience. I want you to go on and mark that under your Bible too there. If you'll throw that verse back up there real quick. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience. Conscience being good. Again, friends, I'm not talking about some unrealistic perfection. Not. That's unrealistic. If we think we can walk in a perfection... If you say you have no sin, there's a scripture. It says you're a liar. The truth is not in you. We all have sin. That's what I'm saying. It's not about perfection. It's not. He was the perfect one. He was the spotless lamb. He was the one without blemish. But God loved us enough. He bore our sins. He who had no sin. So none of us are perfect. But oh, what a day, what a day that'll be when we step into eternity. That's when we become perfect. Put on a new body. No more sin. It's gone. No more live local late breaking. No more X amount of murders. No more none of that. No more overdoses. It's gone. Then we'll be in perfection. See, a good conscience, as I said, is not I have no sin and I don't face temptation. See, all Christians struggle. When temptation comes your way, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where do you follow through with that temptation? Or do you say, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. How I need you. Lord, I need you. I love what Adrian Rogers says. I, I, I love APR. The conscience is an inner judge that accuses or excuses you. That is your conscience. It will either accuse you or excuse you. Your conscience cannot make you do what is right or wrong, but it shows you what is right. Or wrong. See, when we trust in Christ alone and are in God's will, know His word and seek to do His work, then this is the secret to having a pure heart and a, and a pure conscience. A good conscience. That's the secret. Staying in the word. 
The Bible clearly talks about people that does not have a good conscience. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, Through the insincerity of, of, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. God places in us. Once we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, it's done. He will let you know what is right and what is wrong. Third and lastly is a sincere faith. This is a faith that goes beyond formality. The word used here can literally trans translate as a firm conviction. This is a faith that is not merely outward, an outward show, but an inward substance. It's not something that goes on outwardly to where everybody can see. This type of faith is within on the inside. This is a sincere faith. Adrian Rogers also said that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. An outward faith fades, but an inward faith blooms. So what is the result of this type of faith? A firm conviction and acceptance of God's truth. A personal surrender. This is sincere faith. When you personally surrender unto the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a sincere faith. So what is Paul saying in his farewell is, is to his beloved son, Timothy, young Timothy, he was saying, stir up the fresh gift of God in you. Put your faith to work. Put it to work. It is to put feet to our beliefs. It's to put action to it. Paul is clearly talking about stirring up our desires. See, most of us sitting here today are as close to God as we really want to be. Truth be told, we're as close as we really want to be. Any closer might make us get a little uncomfortable. It might stretch us. Our, our faith might make us do some things that we're really not willing to do. But friends, God ain't expecting you to go out and juggle on the street corner and sing Kumbaya. No. All he expects you to do is surrender. Fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm a wretched mess and I need your help. I need your help, Jesus. And the good news is, is when you do that, there is a great poem called Footprints in the Sand. And there's only one set of footprints in that sand. And that's because what happens is Jesus picks you up and carries you. He don't need your feet in the sand. He says, you let me put mine in the sand. Let me carry you. Come to me, all you who are weary and brokenhearted. Oh, Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Make that your prayer and watch what happened. The sky is literally the limit. That's not a metaphor. Trust in Jesus in the day you change your address, see, you changed out that temporal address for your eternal address. Man, man. Some walk in here so broken, so broken, and we cover it up. We don't want to tell nobody about our struggles and heartaches. 
Friends, this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. I love that our leadership team understands this pastor. I want to be a trauma one center like U of L. Send them in. Send them in brokenhearted. But if you walk in and you lie to the great physician the way you do your regular physician, then you don't tell us, then how can we help you? We can't. Man, we got the best DE, DEA pad you could possibly have. I got the best prescription pad you could ever have. And guess what? It's only five letters. J. E-S-U-S. You can cash that in at any place, anytime. You don't need insurance for that one. You can have Jesus and his free gift. This is what he offers to you. He says, all you who are weary, not some of you who are weary, not a few of you who are weary, but all who are weary, come to the feet of Jesus. Oh, man, yeah, if you can't clap off the back end of that one, man, that fell on deaf ears, and that scares me. I'm serious. Guys, it don't freak us out when you clap or you say amen. It don't. Or sneeze, we say bless you. But Jesus, as I'm closing, Jesus... He is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the only way. You can try to get in the new age. You can go talk to that tree out there. Even though that tree does look like the tree of life in my mind, it's not going to give you eternal life. There was a man who he went to a tree on Calvary. He paid the penalty for you, for me, for all. The spotless lamb, beaten, mocked, and scorned, took lashes to his back. The skin ripped away. The blood flowed. Oh, the crimson blood, the blood of Jesus, as it flowed takes our sin and washes us white as snow. That's white. And he did that so we could be reconciled to God, the Father. We was created to be with him in heavenly places. We wasn't created to be separated. Even though Adam and Eve in the garden, what took place had to take place. The fall of man happened. And Jesus. No, Daddy. We wrote some stuff on some stones with Moses. We came up with all these laws. Man couldn't fulfill them. And Jesus. Dad. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Could you imagine in that council room you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One and three and three and one. And Jesus says, I'll go. 
I'm going to leave heaven. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to go down to that old rugged, rugged earth. I'm going to go to that dark, dark place. I'm going to go to the place that you sent Lucifer to when you kicked him out of heaven. I'm going to go there. And I'm going to do it to redeem them. I'm going to go lay down my life so they can have life. It's more than fire insurance, friends. It's more than that. It is we will no longer be eternally separated from God the Father. No longer will we have that separation. No longer will there be division. We won't be divided. We will be sitting around in heavenly places. We'll be at the feet of Jesus, friends. He knew. He knew they was going to throw stuff at him. He knew they was going to spit on him. He knew that they were going to take him down into the chambers, into the prison. They, he knew that they was going to put that crown of thorns on his head and smash it down. He knew that they was going to take them three nails and lay him down on that old rugged tree and then pierce his hands, pierce his feet, and they was going to make fun of him and say, Come down, Jesus. If you're king, come down. And he's looking out amongst the ones. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know. Hanging on the cross, Looking out at sinners like us. Because he knew. He knew. And what did he do? Before he breathed his last. Three words. It is finished. Let his spirit go. And he could have called on a host of heavenly angels. To get him down off that cross. But if he would have did that. None of us would have had a way out. None of us. None of us. That's love. That's love. And this is why we share this way. Because of him who first loved us. True love. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior on this day, please, talk to us. Please, we can't save you. But man, we can lead you to the Jesus Christ that is inside this word that is the spotless lamb. We can show you things in this word. What you must do to be saved. Confess and repent. It's so simple, we make it hard. We make it hard. And then seasoned Christians want to look down on baby Christians because maybe they're not where they're at in life. I love baby Christians. They're so messy. They're like that little baby. When it poo-poos, it can't do nothing. But sit there and wait. And we as mature believers in Christ Jesus... Our job is to walk next to the baby Christian. And when they stumble and fall, you do the same way you do with them little ones. You help them up. Don't beat them and kick them while they're down. Most churches do that, friends. They'll make you feel so ridiculed because you're caught up in some sin. But yet the man of God who proclaims that he's the man of God behind the pulpit, he'll be living a hellish life, but then he'll get up there on Sunday and act like everything's peaches and cream and forget where he come from. 
my hand. Lord, if that ever become me, you remove me right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We don't want to be no independent fundamental Baptists. Okay? I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want no part of religion. I want every part of Jesus. Jesus. If there's something that I don't like, I can flip through the scriptures and say, well, guess what? That's, that's not man's opinion. That's actually God's word. Okay, Lord, well, can you rub that off of me? Can you please take that off of me? Instead of saying, Bear, you're going to go to hell. You keep doing what you're doing. Friends, I got news for you. Once you're saved, no one can take away your salvation. Don't work. I will say this. Once saved, always saved. If, big, big if there, you're truly saved. Well, that'll rub some people wrong. But I'm okay with that because... The word of God. If you're truly saved, nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things to come, nor principalities. None of that. None of that. And we give people in a false expectations. God have mercy upon the church when they do that. God have mercy upon the church. None of us are perfect. Myself included. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit of God, how I just love you. Holy Spirit, I just ask over these next few moments, may you just glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. I know we went long, but Jesus, you're outside of time. You don't care about no time. Lord, we love you. Father, have your way with us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.